Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 342 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today her remote work. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. How in the heck do you navigate this? We're going to be teaching you some tips, tools, and techniques with a fabulous expert. Just know before we begin this episode that it is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to smartypantsvitamins.com. Now, Here's your reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because I just sit around waiting for your feedback. I love it. Love to hear from you. And thank you to all of you out there who are consistently doing that. Love, love, love your voice. All right. It's time for Her. Her. The podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. Now, what a cluster this last 18 months have been. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious, it's a COVID mess. And suddenly our entire lives were turned upside down. And one of the biggest ones was where we do our professional work. And now as we're semi-emerging from this COVID uh, catastrophe, where, how are we now going to be rejiggering how we work? I don't know. Some of us kind of got real comfortable, you know, working from the home in this commute thing. I don't know. Doesn't look so attractive. Not that it ever was. So we have a book that, that helps you navigate this, um, from an expert in the field, Laura Vanderkam, The name of the book is The New Corner Office. Kind of makes you want to go and clean up the mess you're already working in right now. The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. Now, Laura Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, what the most successful people do before breakfast. I can tell you what I do. Oh my goodness gracious, we got a little ritual here. Now, I know many of you probably read her work in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune, and she's the host of the podcast, Before Breakfast. Bring your coffee. And the co-host was Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast, Best of Both Worlds. All right, Laura, welcome to the Her Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right, this is all about her. All right, are we clear on that? This is all about her. So tell us, first of all, why did you write The New Corner Office? What was going on? Well, it looked like everyone was suddenly going to be working from home in the spring of 2020. I had been working from home uh, for a great many years 
really enjoyed it, um, had always been talking about it as a wave of the future, something that people should consider as a way to recruit and retain employees and for many people to be more productive if they mixed in-office work with remote work. But a lot of organizations were really slow to take it up. Um, you know, remote work would be reserved only for people who'd been in the organization for five years or more, and even so, only on Fridays, because everybody knows Friday is the least productive day of the week, so we got to make sure we're minimizing the opportunity cost. So this is how remote work had been treated for a great many years, and then all of a sudden, March 2020 happens, and millions of people are working from home for the first time. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe there are some tips and tricks that I could share to help people figure out how to make it work. Because it turns out that working from home is a skill. And just like any other skill, like, you know, playing tennis or playing the piano, it's, it's pretty hard to do it well on day one. But you get better with practice. And, you know, we've had a lot of practice over the last 18 months. So it's been fun to share these tips and tricks and the new ones people come up with that make their work days, you know, better, more productive, feel better, um, really optimize all aspects of well-being. All right. Tips and tricks indeed. Well, you know, uh, it's there's probably a million questions here. And I want to get to you know, as many as we can during our wonderful interview. And you sound fun, Laura. So this is going to be a gas and a half because we're sitting here in a very interesting time in history. People have, you know, uh, been enduring the 18 months or so. And now we're trying to understand what do we, what do we do? How do we go from here? And now all of a sudden, the tables are turned and many employers are beginning to realize unless they do offer an option to do some time at least remotely, that they're not gonna be able to win over that employee, that valuable employee for their company. So interesting power switches and shifts here as we do this. So, you know, keeping all of this in mind, Going into your new book, you talk about concentrating on tasks, not time. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so if you think about how a great many offices work, there are just very strong time norms. And this is true even though a lot of the knowledge work that people do doesn't really require clocking in at a particular time and leaving at a particular time. Um, I mean, think of something like meetings. Like why are all meetings 30 or 60 minutes? It's not that every matter of human decision can be reached in 30 or 60 minutes. It's just that we're managing by time. Um, Time is a very convenient shorthand, but it's not the only important variable. And particularly when people start working remotely, a lot of the time norms just go out the window. There's not one specific time that everyone has to be there. Um, the lights don't go on at a certain point. They don't go off at a certain point. Uh, you, can, you can have much more control over your schedule. And there are some upsides to that, of course, but there's also some downsides because many people have a hard time figuring out when the day is done. Uh, when you work in an office, there is an obvious endpoint to the day. You get in your car or go on the train or whatever else and leave. Like you're not going to sleep there. Um, and, and so there's an obvious end to the day. Whereas if you are working in a home office, that isn't true. So we need a different way to figure out, has this been a good day or has this been a good week? Am I done? You know, can I stop doing this and, and do the rest of my life? And one of the best ways to do that is, is really in a more effective way of managing in general, which is by task rather than time. 
So rather than defining a knowledge job by you are in an office for 40 hours a week, what tasks would make for a good day? What tasks would make for a good week if they were done? And if you could assign these to yourself or assign this to anyone you are managing, then you have a sort of more objective standard of like, well, have we gotten done what we needed to get done? And then you can say, well, if I have done the five important tasks that would make this a really good day and I am done with them, well, the day can be over. You know, even if I can still see my laptop um, from the rest of my house. And, you know, one of the reasons this matters is I think a lot of management in the past People have gotten used to saying, well, my employees are productive if I see them at their desks. You know, if I see people looking busy in chairs, we must be getting stuff done. Now, of course, that's ridiculous. Like, who knows? They could be doing online shopping while they're sitting in their chairs. But we had this idea. And of course, once people go home and work from their home offices, you have absolutely no idea what they are doing. So since you can't have that same sense of control, you really have to get into the habit of setting tasks for the day, setting tasks for the week for ourselves, for the people we manage, and then focusing on that rather than how many hours people are putting in. I love it. And and this is, it almost uh, makes me think of the Tim Ferriss, you know, uh, four hour, you know, uh, week uh, and where you, where you really concentrate more on getting something done uh, and, and some people are just exquisitely efficient at being able to do it in a much shorter period of time. But I like the issue of task because then people concentrate on the task. They don't concentrate on the time, which is really a great, great tip and tool. How about getting the rhythm right? What, the, what do you mean by that? Well, when we have more control of our time, we can think more about what a good day would look like. And each particular day has a rhythm that will help us optimize our energy so that we can get more done. And so you have some, some way that you open the day, that you begin the day. Um, for, you know, when you work in an office, that was obviously you drove there or took the train there or walked there or whatever, there was, there was an obvious beginning to the day. And again, that's not so obvious when you work from home. So many people need to think about, well, what is some sort of ritual I could use to open the day? to say, well, now I am work, you know, I am in work mode. It could just be pouring yourself the cup of coffee and opening your laptop, but some people do things that are more elaborate, go for a walk around the block, obviously taking your kids to school or something like that. Um, you know, maybe it's playing a theme song that tells you now I am in work mode, whatever that happens to be that fires you up. But, you know, something that begins the day. And then think about how you can match your most important work to the time when you are best able to deal with this. And it requires thinking about your energy levels through the day. Most people, not everybody, but most people have more energy and discipline and focus in the morning. So whatever your most important task for the day probably should be done in the morning. We tend to have less energy as the day goes on, which means that afternoon might be better for returning emails or scheduling those sort of low energy meetings just to check in, not anything particularly profound. Uh, but, you know, as we think about planning our work through the day, it also helps to realize that we are in control of boosting our energy levels to a certain degree. And we do that by taking conscious breaks through the day. Um, I find that most people need about three breaks in an eight-hour work day. That tends to work well for most people. You know, think of it as lunch and maybe a mid-morning break and mid-afternoon break. And as you think about the rhythm of the day, think about what sort of break portfolio would really help add to your energy most. You know, most people like 
something physical that would boost their energy or maybe something social. Um, so maybe you have lunch with the other people in your household who are home. Maybe in mid-afternoon, you go for a walk around the block. Um, maybe the mid-morning break could be something that's a bit more mentally focused, you know, reading something profound or listening to some great music. Uh, but just thinking about what you could do for each of your three breaks to add to your energy levels. And then finally, ending the day. You know, what am I going to do at the end of the day to tell myself, well, this day is done. We've put it, you know, put it to rest. Now it's time to think about, you know, what am I going to do in the future? But, you know, thinking about the rhythm of the days can help us, you know, think about our energy and maintain our energy through the day so we can get a lot done and we can also know when we are done. I think that, you know, your, your points are extremely well taken. I think at the beginning of the, the COVID um, confusion, uh, people were just thrown into chaos. And they really didn't know what to do because they had a rhythm. You know, you hopped in your car and you did the commute and, you know, it was the same building you worked in and all the rest of it. And suddenly that was gone. And people, I think, uh, went through a lot of different phases. Uh, this is all going to end soon. We just have to kind of, you know, deal with it and back and forth. But then all of a sudden, it became quite clear that uh, things were going to be changed uh, in the long term. That's when lots of people had to create a brand new rhythm. And that also includes a new environment. You know, instead of using your kitchen table as a desk, you know, buy a desk and and find a place that's quiet in in the wherever you live, and dedicate it um, to your work. And because you can't have rhythm if you don't really have all of the support resources, you know, to be able to 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 allow you to be able to maintain, create and maintain that rhythm. So the rhythm and rituals and routines, all the R's, are so absolutely essential to being able to do your work more optimally. Now, you wrote something which I thought was really cool. You know, before March of 2020, you said you heard many versions of this argument against remote and flexible work. The first one. People need to build relationships to work well together. Second, the best way to build relationships is to be face-to-face. -face. And you said then, these statements are both true, but they're not the whole story. So what is the whole story? Well, I think especially as we are slowly coming out of COVID, we are going to see new ways of working. And that is, you know, that it doesn't have to be either or. We are not always in the office or always home. There's going to be some way we can combine the two. Um, and because of that, we are still going to be able to see our colleagues face to face. It's just that we've decided that 40 hours with the exact same people is probably overkill. Um, you can definitely establish very close relationships working in person together, let's say two days a week or one week a month. Um, and then you support those relationships the rest of the time through frequent check-ins, through phone calls, through video chats. Um, and, and in fact, when organizations get themselves really set up for this hybrid model, they can focus all that social relationship building time on those days when people are together in person, which 
is probably more effective. I mean, we had this idea in the past that relationships just naturally grow if you're sitting next to somebody in a cubicle, but that's not necessarily true. Uh, whereas if you know you're only in the office for let's say two days a week or one week a month, well, then you know that those are the days that we really do work closely together. We you know, have our long leisurely lunches together. I make sure to have coffee with everyone I want to see um, and make sure that those days are very much focused on relationship building. And then the other days can be focused more on, on individual deliverables or, you know, buckling down and doing the stuff that you decided to do together while you were all there in the office. It really doesn't need to be either or. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, with modern communication technology, we really are sort of seeing people face to face. I mean, imagine if all of this had happened 30 years ago, it wouldn't have been nearly as, as possible it is now with, you know, the modern video conferencing technology. Our brains don't really distinguish so much that when we are seeing someone's face, we are not with them in person. I mean, you know, why would our brains think that way? It, it, it wouldn't have made sense for them really to evolve that way. I'm thinking about, you know, people who've worked in television, like for the rest of their lives, people are coming up to them in the grocery store saying, I know you from somewhere. It's like, well, no, you don't know them. It's just you saw them give the weather report in your living room for 10 years. And so you think you know them. And when you understand like, that this is how we view people on a screen, you can kind of use it to your advantage. I mean, I definitely do try to have video chats, even though you know, we all suffer from Zoom fatigue. Um, if I'm meeting someone for the first time, I definitely you know, like to turn on the video when I can. Um, if it's somebody I haven't chatted with for a while, I would say, well, let's turn on the video, just say hi for each other. You know, we can turn it off in a minute and go for our walks or whatever we're doing while we're on the phone. But you know, just seeing each other's faces. I, I totally agree that it's nice to see people's faces, but the good news is you don't have to necessarily get on an airplane or you know, commute for an hour to make that happen. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think we're also redefining you know, how we develop relationships, don't you think? Well, we have to. I mean, I've read the sort of funny reality of, I'm sure you've read these articles too, of people starting and moving on from jobs, never having met their colleagues in person now. You know, as, as the time in, in sort of remote work stretches on, people have been hired remotely, they start working there remotely, and, you know, 18 months, not everyone stays at a job for very long, so they've moved on remotely at this point, too. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't connect and can't feel like we, we know these people. I mean, maybe they won't be our best friends, but, you know, there are certainly people I've worked with over the years, you know, 99% of the time virtually and not in person, and, you know, I remember them, I'd recommend them for something in the future. Um, you know, it's, it's still possible to build a relationship. And in fact, many of the people I've collaborated with in the past, you know, we've only seen each other a few times in person. But if you're smart about those in-person gatherings, whether it's at, you know, an industry conference or if you happen to be traveling to their city for a speech or something like that, you can make the effort to get together. And those, you know, infrequent in-person get-togethers can, you know, help nurture the relationship along as you continue to support it with, with video chats and phone calls. Okay, so it's interesting. I, I actually went out on my very first uh, business trip after uh, July 4th of 2021, and it had been uh, quite a long time. Uh, my last business trip was at the end of February 2020, and it was fascinating to actually see people in three dimension um, after, you know, Zooming with them and doing Google Meets and teams and all the rest of it, where you just see this this two-dimensional, um, uh, almost like an avatar. It's really quite fascinating. And then meeting someone and the relationship shifts and it, it gets a, a little deeper 
and it's kind of neat. Uh, I really, really was stunned at how I felt about that because it was a brand new thing. Now, that being said, to your point, I think that uh, I, I will predict that what we're going to be seeing now is an evolution to hybrid, to a hybrid way of working. What do you think of that? I definitely think we will, too. I mean, the cat is out of the bag here. I don't think there's many organizations that could say, oh, no, it would never work for our employees to work from home. I mean, if you didn't go out of business in the last 18 months, then clearly that is not true. Your employees are going to be able to work from home. You know, maybe not every day, but nobody's saying it has to be every day. It's going to be some combination. And, and the organizations that really embrace this will be able to get the upsides. I mean, you know, if you don't require people to be in the office every single weekday, you can hire from a far broader radius than if you are requiring people to be there. Um, if you even think more creatively and say the requirement is like be in the office one week a month as opposed to, you know, a day or two every week, you could honestly hire from anywhere, right? People just fly in for that one week a month and then go back. And, and so, since it seems to me that it would be unlikely that all the best people would naturally live within one hour of your headquarters, this can really open up the possibilities a great deal. Um, and so I think, you know, some smart organizations are going to start to see that and, and see that maybe they can expand the talent pool if they are a little bit more flexible. All right. Now, the title of your book is that new corner office. So where is it? You know, many people have always thought about the big building and there's the beautiful glassy uh, corner office where you have got the beautiful panorama of, of the city or wherever you happen to be. But you're saying, mm, wait a minute now, um, that corner office could actually be a corner of your house. So when, when you were describing this, this is a chapter called Think Big. What were you saying? Well, in the past, I mean, working from home has sort of been seen as a step people were taking when they needed more work-life balance. And maybe they were taking themselves off the fast track or something because they needed more work-life balance. And I was saying that's not necessarily the case. I think you can really think ambitiously and productively from the new corner office, you know, even if that is a corner of your house. Um, there is nothing inherently small about working from home. It's just a place where you are working. You can certainly build your empire from, from home if you want. Um, and, and so many people, if they are smart about it, will use it as a tool. You know, it's an, an arrow in their quiver, a you know, tool in their, in their belt um, for, for building a big career. Namely, like, let's say you are on the road three days a week. Well, being able to work from home the other two days per week may allow you to, you know, do more things that promote your own well-being, such as exercising more, eating healthier meals, um, you know, working how you work best in terms of being more comfortable. Uh, and if you seize that opportunity, you'll probably get more done on that day and you'll be able to um, sustain that travel schedule in a way you might not have if you had to commute into an office those other two days in addition to being on the road. Um, I also think that there's an underappreciated aspect of being in a home office or working remotely that you know, you can build a broader network if you are smart about it. We talked earlier about the time norms that people see in traditional offices. There's a time you show up, there's a time you leave, um, you know, you go to lunch with the people who are in your office. And, you know, in, in progressive organizations, you're not going to be fired if you don't do these things. Like you come in half an hour late, it's not going to be like, you know, you're out of here. But, but people are still going to wonder like where you were. 
Or if you leave to go for lunch in the middle of the day, a long lunch with somebody else, people are like, where are you going? Or, you know, you leave early to go have coffee with someone like, oh, why are you leaving early today, huh? And because of these time norms, people often just don't do it. Plus, their need to see people and see people in their industry feels satisfied by the people they are working with, by their close colleagues. And yes, we wanna build relationships with our close colleagues, but they are probably not the only people in the universe who are useful to know. And I mean, especially if something happens to your organization, they're gonna be a lot less useful for you to know um, than, than all the other people in the world. So, you know, people who are smart about remote work continue to reach out and build their network, you know, also with people outside their organizations. You know, challenge yourself to have at least one lunch or coffee a week with somebody um, to keep building your relationships, building your network. And because you don't have the automatic, you know, lunch with people in your industry every day when you're in the office, you may be willing to think a little bit more broadly as you try to meet that need that you have. And, and so, you know, we, we can overinvest in our relationships with colleagues when we work in an office 40 hours a week. And when we work remotely, we have a chance to kind of broaden the scope and, and build our networks um, to a, a wider degree. All right. Now, let's, let's look at women. How are women different than men, if they are, in, in doing all of this? Remembering, of course, what women do. They care give. And it doesn't matter, you know, if it's a whoever they're caregiving, whether it's children or it's uh, parents or, you know, uh, a partner or whatever the issue may be or a friend. How is potentially the woman's experience with this whole thing different than the men's? Well, certainly, if you look before March 2020, um, it was, you know, the idea of working from home was, um, you know, in some ways more female focused. It was a lot more women who are willing to ask for that as an accommodation if they were, you know, doing caregiving things and, and it was challenging to be in the office all the time. Working from home was definitely one of the accommodations that women were more willing to ask for. Um, I'm sure men would have benefited from it too, but there's often sort of difficult social norms about men asking for workplace accommodations. Now, of course, you know, March 2020 happens and everybody, male, female, et cetera, are working from home. But of course, many of our children also began working from home in the sense that uh, normal um, schools and daycares and such were, were interrupted. Um, and of course, as we all know, that tended to, the burden of that tended to fall more heavily on women's shoulders, um, that in many families, mom became the primary caregiver in addition to whatever work she was needing to do um, on a, in a paid capacity. And yeah, that has been tough. That is not the ideal way to work from home. Like in the past, when people would talk with me about working from home as something they wanted to explore, sometimes people would ask like, oh, well, is that a great way to save money on childcare? And I'd be like, no, it is not a great way to save money on childcare. You really cannot be the person in charge of your young children during the hours you plan to work. Now, I'm not saying that has to be exactly eight hours a day, nine to five, there's a lot of flexibility involved, but you know, moving back and forth between caregiving for let's say young children and trying to work is just a recipe for feeling pulled in a million directions at once. So, you know, during the darkest days of the pandemic, the families who, you know, reached a reasonable accommodation with this would usually split the day formally. You know, one parent takes the kids in the morning, one parent takes the kids in the afternoon. Each party manages to get about, you know, five hours of focused work per day. And yes, that's not 40, but five hours of focused work is a lot better, better than, you know, 40 hours of completely unfocused work. 
Um, so that was something a lot of people did. If there's you know, only one parent in the household, maybe it would be possible to pair up with a neighbor or a friend or another relative and do the same sort of childcare swap with them. Um, you know, I, hopefully at this point, people are mostly getting back to their normal childcare and school routines, although we still, you know, as, as school is back in session, there are a lot of parents who are facing down sudden and long quarantines when, when kids are suddenly sent home for 10 days or so because a classmate has tested positive. And, you know, it's, it's a reason people are going to have to continue figuring out how they can work from home and work flexibly in the future. Um, I do hope that you know, given that more men have experienced working from home, that there's going to be some changed narratives around it, because I think long term, it can work really well for people and particularly for people who do have caregiving responsibilities. But certainly, the way many people experience remote work in the first part of the pandemic was not ideal at all. All right. So the whole issue with women oftentimes is that they just get so distracted you know, when somebody is banging on the door and needs them at that moment and back and forth. So what I'm hearing from you is that you have to really be organized, establish boundaries, um, set up rules. And this kind of goes back to what you said before about routines and rituals and um, making sure that you have that rhythm. I think that that is so important. I think a big issue with so many women is that they do not know how to say no. I, I think they have a lot harder time doing that than men do. Um, and I, I may be overly generalizing here, but I just, I have that funny feeling, you know, being a woman myself, is sometimes it's just very difficult to turn down someone who is, you know, reaching out to you and wants to talk to you at that moment, whether it's a child, a friend or whomever. And so just really trying to uh, embrace that and respect it and then work around it, navigate it. So that being said, one of my uh, most favorite chapters was this optimize well-being chapter. And I think so many people during the pandemic, especially when it became clear it was going to be, you know, much longer term than they had anticipated, you know, started building home gyms or, you know, getting some equipment and spending more time actually taking care of themselves. Um, how does that fit into the remote work scenario? Well, certainly if people are smart about it, uh, remote work does allow for optimizing your well-being in a way that, you know, commuting to an office makes harder. If you look at people with, you know, look at how people spend their time, commutes are negatively associated with physical activity. And that's because the time that you spend commuting is the time that many people would have spent exercising first thing in the morning after work. You know, if you've got an hour long commute after work, that's an hour that you can't go for a walk, uh, you know, can't go to the gym. Um, if you have to leave first thing in the morning as the sun's coming up, it's gotten a lot harder to go for a morning run or a morning walk um, than, than if you had a much shorter commute. So, you know, people who work from home, obviously you don't have the commute on those days that you are working from home and that opens up time right there for doing some sort of physical activity, um, for doing any sort of mindfulness or spiritual practices. Um, if you are eating at home, um, you have the chance to 
eat more healthfully if you are smart about it. Um, I think a lot of people, when they go into the office, the default is just to go out to eat, especially if that's what your colleagues are doing. Um, whereas, you know, you're at home, you've got your kitchen next to you, so you can cook something if you would like. Um, increase the chances that your your lunch has such wonderful things as fruits and vegetables and such. Um, you know, but it's not even just that. It's about thinking about how we work best and optimizing our environment to take that into account. I mean, I don't know about you, but for the times that I've been working in offices, I always froze during the summer because I was wearing, you know, summer dresses and heels without socks or anything like that or sandals. And the offices are set to this incredibly frigid air conditioning temperature. And, and so I'm just freezing. And it's really hard to do your best work when your fingers are turning blue. Whereas, you know, in my home office, I can set the thermostat exactly at my happy place um, and, and enjoy not thinking about what the temperature is. Uh, you know, if you have certain scents, for instance, that, that really gets you in the mood for doing your work, like you're not going to burn a pumpkin spice candle on your desk at work. But if you really want your pumpkin spice candle at your home office, like go for it. You know, you can play music that fires you up. You can, you know, take a quick break to do push-ups and sit-ups if that would energize you before your next phone call. Like most people are not gonna stop and do push-ups and sit-ups in their cubicle. Like you could, I mean, sure, I'd say go for it. But you know, I know a lot of people aren't gonna do that. So if you're just smart about it, having more control and autonomy over your environment definitely allows you to make wiser health choices and sort of choices that also boost your happiness and productivity as well. I love it. And I think a lot of people uh, really got turned on to their bodies in many respects is, you know, they they have been living a fairly mindless existence before. It was just sort of, you know, as you said, uh, you get to the office and you default to what everyone else is doing around you, even if it's rotten fast food and all the rest of it. I think being at home made you kind of think about it. I mean, there were obviously extremes. People also pile, piled on a lot of weight. Um, out of stress eating and anxiety and fear and and just sitting around not getting enough physical activity because even having to commute and run around your building and everything um, at least you were up and moving around many people didn't even do that so it was kind of a, a hodgepodge it really depended in many respects there's a one last little piece that you had here that I just love and that is um, have little adventures um, you know, of course you were talking about healthy eating and of course you were talking about getting up and, you know, getting some physical activity and, and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, I'm an outdoor athlete, I'm a triathlete. And so I find any excuse I can to get outdoors and, um, and as it were, have these little adventures. So what's a little adventure mean? Well, a little adventure is something out of the ordinary that would be memorable in your time, uh, but, you know, it takes just an hour or so. And, and so, you know, we're not talking about flying to Italy, which, you know, would be great, but, uh, you know, probably not going to happen on this Wednesday. But if you just sort of think about, well, I've built this good routine, I've got this good structure for my days, and it's great, you know, I'm gonna have this rhythm and have this structure, but sometimes I wanna punctuate it with something that's a little bit different, um, just to change the experience of time. And you have the freedom to do that more when you work from home than you might necessarily when you go to an office. You know, you can take a longer lunch and go for a walk on a trail somewhere nearby and, you know, don't feel like you need to explain like why you weren't sitting there in your cubicle where everyone can see you. 
Um, you know, you can, if there happens to be a museum nearby that you've always wanted to go to, but it's hours or nine to three or something ridiculous like that. Like if you work in an office, you're never going to go. But if you're at home, I mean, why not shift the time a little bit? Uh, you know, go at a time you have open in your calendar. Let's say 11 a.m. is open. You can just, you know, work a little later that night if you need to make up the time. And you've had this little adventure. But even just the process of thinking through what kind of adventures you can have changes the whole work week experience. You know, you have something you're looking forward to, so you can anticipate it, you enjoy the experience yourself, and then afterwards you can relive the memory, think about it, you can tell other people about it. And by doing this, we stretch the good of the experience over a longer period of time, and we can really just change how we experience day-to-day -day life. I love it. That That's fantastic, and um, it's basically a treat, and people always look forward to treats especially those that really take you out of the work environment and allow you to be able to expand yourself. So I think that when you uh, were, were doing some of your concluding, you said something beautiful. I really like this. When work and home mix, you can also use small bits of time to nurture your relationships. This deepens time in a profound way. And so if it's done mindfully, you can do low-key tasks alongside a kid who's doing homework, pet a puppy while editing a document as I stare at my two German shepherds, um, enjoy a well-timed private lunch break, and even while the kids are at school, thank heavens the kids are back at school, that's all I can say, with your spouse who is also working at home. You know, it's just a way to redefine this new corner office. I think your book is fabulous. Um, it really hits home in a very practical and realistic way. Um, and I think that uh, people out there in, in the Herb podcast land could most definitely uh, benefit from reading it. So everyone out there just remember the name and that's the new corner office, how the most successful people work from home. As, as we conclude right now, Laura, um, one last pearl of wisdom for everyone out there about this whole issue of redefining this workplace. Well, I think that what it helps for people to remember is that, you know, working from home is all about having more autonomy over your time, over your life. Um, over how you, you know, handle things in general. So think of it as an opportunity to experiment. I mean, you may not even know how you work best. You may not even know when your energy is at its peak and when it tends to, tends to drop. You may not know, you know what energizes you through the day or you know, what doesn't. But if you take this opportunity to experiment, you'll be able to take those lessons forward through the rest of your career and your life. And you can start looking for work situations that honor that, you know? And, and I think that'll be useful even if you are, you know, only working remotely a day or two a week. Um, the, the lessons you learn about how to boost your energy, how to honor your rhythm through the day um, will help you get more done no matter where you are working. Fantastic, Laura. Everyone, we've been talking to Laura Vanderkam, and she is the author of the new book, 
the new corner office, how the most successful people work from home, please run on over to her website at lauravandercam, that's a K-A-M, dot com to learn about her other time management and productivity books and about her podcast as well. Laura, thank you so much for being on the Her Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right, and everyone, run on over to iTunes right now and rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I'm Dr. Pam Peek. That's why I'm host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam PamPeekMD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes or Radio MD. Thanks for listening today, and please stay safe and stay well.